The reading will be taken from 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And if God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the need of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Good morning. Um, my name is Steve Conacher. If we haven't met, let me pray for us before we move on. Father, thank you so much for this time we have together. Thank you for your word. We sung earlier that your word is a lamp to our feet. And we pray that you would use this passage to light our way forward today. In Jesus' name, amen. In the mid-2000s, there was a researcher called Michael Norton, and he did a study at the University of British Columbia. Norton instructed a group of researchers to wander around the campus to find unsuspecting students and to hand out envelopes full of cash. Why was I not there? And um, the researchers, all they did was they, they asked a few questions of these students and they said, here's an envelope full of cash, do what you want, you know, this is for you to make you happy, it's a gift, spend it however you like, on yourself, on someone else, whatever. I think for a moment, how would you, if, someone, if you walked out of this church and someone gave you an envelope of cash, I'm afraid I don't have any, but let's say that that happened, how would you spend it to make you happy today? At the end of the day, they got the students back together. And they asked him a few questions. And here is what Michael Norton writes. We found that the people who spent the money on themselves that day were not happier in the evening. But the people who spent it on others were. The amount of money didn't matter at all. It was only how people spent it that made the difference. I found another study this week came out of Harvard, which was based on bankers getting big bonuses. And they concluded in this study that it made people happier to give away $500 than it did to earn 10000 And my guess is that this is not groundbreaking news to you. We probably already think that generosity is a good idea. A generous life is probably a happy life, especially when the generosity comes our way, right? If you have generous friends, that's a good life to have. It probably doesn't surprise you to learn that generosity as a good thing crops up in, in loads of the world religions and faiths. 
Aristotle, I don't know if there are any fans in the room, uh, he said generosity was like the golden balance between stinginess and wastefulness. A Buddha advocated for generosity. He said words to the effect of, if you realize the benefits of generosity, you wouldn't even eat without giving something away. Generosity crops up in Islam, in zakat. It crops up in Judaism, in tzedakah, the idea of social justice to the poor. And the cynical part of me thought, okay, there must be someone in the world who thinks generosity is a bad idea, surely. So I googled it. I googled the phrase, in inverted commas, generosity is bad. And I can happily report back to you that there is no one, in my opinion, sane, who thinks that that's true, at least in general. Generosity is a trait that we love. It's a trait that, we, that we'd love to see more of in our society. It's something that we would instill in kids, you know. And maybe I could stop there. Maybe I've wet your palate enough for generosity, and I could just say, let's all go home and give something away. Happy days. Except I find that there's a problem Generosity is a really, really wonderful idea until I need to do it. It's a wonderful idea until it's my cash or my time or my energy. I think sometimes for us there's a gap. There's a gap between the idea of generosity, which we love, and the reality of living a generous life. There's a gap. So today we're going to talk about how we can mind the gap. I grew up in London, so that really appealed to me. How can we mind the gap between this idea of generosity that we love and the reality of living a generous life? And that, I think, is what this passage in 2 Corinthians is about. If you want to have it open in these brand new church Bibles, uh, it's on page 1164, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6. A bit of context for us. You could read all about this in chapter 8. Paul, who is writing this letter, he is making a collection for the churches um, to give money to poor churches. Paul is making this collection and he's writing to the Corinthians. And the Corinthians, they've been really, they've given before to support Paul and they've been really keen to give again. They've basically said, Paul, it's so wonderful what you're doing. We love your fund. This is awesome. And it's a bit like what you or I might do when someone comes up to us fundraising for the Cambridge Half Marathon in a couple of weeks. Oh, that's so great. I love that. Yeah, I'd be really keen to support you. That's wonderful. But They haven't actually given anything yet. They've said they're really keen, but they haven't actually given yet. And so um, Paul here is encouraging them to mind the gap. Now, I have to confess, at this point, I um, have a slight problem when I read this passage. I like to call this problem Britishness. And uh, basically, to me, Paul's words... They sound bordering on passive-aggressive when you read them in a British accent. You know, he's saying things like, oh, it's really nice that you want to give, so uh, time to follow through. I'm going to send a couple of my friends just to make sure that you do what you said you were going to do. It just, it just sounds a bit passive-aggressive, and it helps me to remember that the Bible, praise the Lord, was not written by Brits. <laughs> Nor was it written to Brits. It was written for us, for our benefit, but it wasn't written to us or by us. 
This is a different culture. And so perhaps Paul isn't being passive-aggressively British. Perhaps he knows that there is this gap. He knows that we can so easily get discouraged or distracted from actually being generous. Maybe you've experienced this. You know, you, you see a charity or an advert or something, you think, that's great, I would love to support that. That's such a good thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous. Maybe you were here last week, Stuart spoke uh, excellently about generosity, and maybe you thought, yeah, I, I want to do that, I want to live out this generous life. And then you get home, and there's lunch, and maybe you get as far as checking your bank balance, and you think, oh, that's it's a bit less than there than I thought there was. Uh, there was that expensive holiday and all those coffees I've been having and uh, it's an insight into my life and uh, it's a little bit harder to be generous than it was when I first thought about it so Paul is going to help the Corinthians to mind the gap and he's going to help us and what is he going to do what idea, what, how is he going to convince them to do that he's going to use the idea of abundant life We're doing this series, What God Sees in His Church. And today we're talking about God Sees Abundant Life. This works out in two ways in what Paul writes. Firstly, God supplies us abundantly to be generous. And secondly, God rewards us abundantly for generosity. So we're going to look at these two ideas together. Firstly, God supplies us abundantly to be generous. Pancake Day is coming up this week, and uh, I'm sure you're all very excited. I'm sure that in some households, in some student corridors, there might be something of a squabble about who gets the first pancake, or at least the first good one. No one wants that burnt one that comes out at the start, but the first good pancake. For me as a kid, this was a big deal. And so, you know, imagine a parent and two kids, and the first pancake is made, and it's it's good. And it's the, all the, the toppings are spread out in front of you. You've got your lemon and your sugar and your chocolate spread and banana and your, I don't know, cheese and lettuce if you're one of those savory pancake people. And um, the youngest kid is like, I want the first pancake. I need the first pancake. It's the only one. And the oldest kid has lived through some pancake days before. And the oldest kid rolls their eyes and goes, okay, I will let you have the first pancake. Because I know, in my wisdom, that there will be more pancakes. There will be enough. When we think about our resources, (laughs) sometimes I think we can relate to the youngest kid. We can think, but this is all I have. I need this. This is all I've got. There's a kind of fear of of giving stuff away because this is all I've got. But I think Paul and I think Jesus would invite us to have more of the mindset of the second kid. I know I can give this away because I know that there will be more. I know that there will be enough. Sometimes we, we come across words in the Bible that kind of we struggle to grapple with because they're not words we use in everyday conversation. And for me, abundant is one of those words. I'm not going around using abundant abundantly. Um, so so I, I find it helpful sometimes to check up the th- th- thesaurus. 
a hard word to say, and um, think about these words and dwell on them. So um, the opposite of abundant is scarce, if we could have that on the screen, or sparse. It means scattered, infrequent, meager, paltry, few and far between, limited, insufficient, lacking, negligible, and my personal favorite, scarcer than hen's teeth. I learned that phrase this week. I challenge you to use it in conversation by next week. Please report back. Is this how we think about our resources? Do we ever think about what we have like this? Or do we think about the way God gives like this? Let's think about the word abundant. Abundant, plentiful, copious, ample, profuse. I'm not going to read them all out. Bumper, overflowing, opulent, in plenty, galore, and again, my personal favorite, agogo. Where is this word gone? We need more of this word. Please use a go-go in conversation this week. Um, this, this is how God gives. This is how God gives. Jesus, in John 10, he says, I have come that you would have life and you would have it abundantly, overflowingly. He says of God, God is the good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. God is lavishly loving. He is overflowing with good things to us. You could say he is a bumper blesser. With him, there are blessings, a go-go. With that in mind, look at these verses from this passage. Verse 8 and verse 11, they're becoming up on the screen. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And later, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God supplies us abundantly to be generous. Abundantly. I love reading Christian biographies and stories and autobiographies. And one of my personal favorites is uh, this, The Cross and the Switchblade. It's by a guy called David Wilkerson. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. I've got one copy, um, which you can borrow. And... uh, David Wilkinson, he was, he was going about his normal life and he was reading a magazine and he saw in this magazine a picture of a boy, a group of boys who were in a gang in New York and who were on trial for murder. And when he saw this picture, he was kind of repulsed that this can go on in our world, that there can be boys who are murdering people. But also his heart went out to this boy and he thought, and he prayed and he thought, I've, I've got to go. I've got to go to New York and help these boys. And from that point on, this book is basically a story of God providing abundantly over and over and over again. It's an incredible story. One of my favorite moments is uh, David and his team, they decide to set up a center to house these boys and help them. And they need something like $40,000 to get the center going. And they have $100 in the bank. But they go for it. And the first payment is due and they need something like $4,400. And the money comes in. The money comes in from all kinds of places, from churches, from individuals. People just randomly send him money and they had no idea. And the money comes in and they actually end up with $200 more than they needed. They get $4,600 or something. And they're like, this is great. We've got more than we need. And then they get a letter from the bank or from whoever it is saying, actually, we're going to have to up your payment by $200. They're like, that's exactly, that's exactly what we've been given. I love hearing stories like that. And, and we could talk about loads more. But I have to say, 
I've also been wrestling with these verses for the last two weeks. Really wrestling with them. Because sometimes they seem hard to believe. Sometimes I see the prayers that are not answered. I see the times when it doesn't look like there's enough. When it doesn't feel like there's enough. What do we do with that? It's a real thing. What do we do with it? And to be honest, I'm not completely sure how to square that circle. That is a hard thing to think about. But there are a couple of things that have helped me to think about that these last couple of weeks. The first thing is that the kind of the abundance that is promised to Christians is an abundance for generosity. The abundant life that Jesus talks about, it's, it's not, he doesn't never say you're going to abound in um, wealth or in comfort or in like loads of spare time so you can watch every Netflix series. He, he doesn't say these things. He doesn't say you will abound in that. And actually his life, Jesus' own life didn't abound like that. He almost certainly grew up poor. And he did certainly grow up with a lot of obstacles and challenges, struggles. He had to wrestle with what he was called to do. But what you do see in Jesus' life and what he does promise is an abundance of what you need to do good. An abundance of what you need to be generous. Even actually, if relatively speaking, you are materially poor. Paul uses the example in this passage or in chapter 8 at the start of the Macedonian church. He describes them as being richly generous. But he also says about them that they were going through A, a severe trial, and B, extreme poverty. They were going through an extreme poverty and a severe trial, and yet God gave them the grace to be generous. And so in the same way, I believe that he gives us an abundance so that we can be generous. That's the abundance that is promised. But the second thing that I found helpful to think about and to lean on is what I think is probably the the uniquely Christian contribution to this idea of generosity, and it's this. God has not just said that he'll be generous. He has shown that he is generous. He has come down from his, his heavenly throne down to our earth to be born as a baby. He has gone through life, a hard life. He has gone to the cross to take, our suffer, to take our selfishness and our failure onto himself, to die for us. He gave everything. He gave his life. He hasn't just said that he will be generous. He hasn't just commanded us from on high to be generous. He has shown it himself. He has given everything. He is a generous, generous God. And it's why Paul can write in Romans 8 these words. Uh, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God supplies us abundantly to be generous, and he's shown it by giving himself. So what does this mean for us? How do we put this into practice? I wonder if it's not always the most helpful thing to think about how God is going to provide Sometimes we see an opportunity to be generous or to give, and we think, but how? How is this going to work out? And I wonder if that's not helpful. Maybe it's more helpful to say to God, I'm going to be open. I'm going to openly look for opportunities to be generous. And I would encourage us to do this this week, to take time, even today. Take time. Where are there opportunities in my life where I can be generous? And then we can have the courage to take them. We can have the courage to take them. 
We might not know how it's going to work out. But God has said that he will supply us abundantly to be generous. So that's the first way that we can mind the gap between loving the idea of generosity and being generous. The second is this. God rewards us abundantly for generosity. Um, I'd said this illustration in the first service, and I realized as I started saying it, it's quite far-fetched. But go with me. Imagine, imagine that aliens invaded Earth, and, and they were quite nice. And um, we, decided, we decided to give them a present, and we decided to give them a daffodil bulb. I'm sorry that I couldn't come up with a better way of explaining this. And anyway, so this alien has his daffodil bulb, and it's like, thank you so much. This is, this is amazing. This is a beautiful souvenir of Earth, and I'm, I'm very grateful. Thank you. I shall put it on my alien shelf and admire it for the rest of my days. And then we say, that's great. Actually, what you need to do is bury it in the ground. But, but it's, my, it's my gift. This, you just gave this to me as a present from Earth. I want to I be able to see it. I want to enjoy it. No, 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 no. What you have to do is bury it in the ground. Are you crazy, you earthlings? What, why would you ask me to bury it in the ground? Because the point is not the bulb. The point is what grows when you bury it. Is what grows when you sow it. That is the point, the lovely daffodil. Paul talks about our money like this. The point is not what you have to be stored, to be kept for yourself. That's not the point. The point is what grows when you plant it. The point is what grows when you sow it. That is the point of our resources. That is the point. God rewards us abundantly for generosity. Verses, uh, verse 6 in this passage puts it like this. Um, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. The more you sow, the more you reap. This was not news to a farming culture. They were like, obviously, yes. But what is, might be news is that it's true of how we use our money. It's true of how we use our time. It's true of how we use our energy. The one who sows generously will reap generously. This is how it works in God's kingdom. He rewards us abundantly for generosity. I had a couple of friends at uni, and one of them was, um, wanted to go and train to do youth work with disadvantaged kids in London, but he couldn't afford it. So he asked around, can anyone help me out with the money that I need to do this course? And one of my other friends uh, said, yeah, okay, I'd love to contribute. And he, he went away and he thought of some money he was going to give, and he pretty much decided, but he thought, you know what, I'm going to pray about it. And he prayed, and when he was praying, he felt God say, or he thought he should, add a zero to the amount he was going to give at the end of the number. <laughs> and, and he did. And he gave what was an incredibly generous gift, especially for a student, incredibly generous gift. It was like all the money that he'd saved up from some summer job he'd done at uni or something. And he gave it. And he said, I remember talking to him about it at the time, he said, is one of the best investments he'd ever made. He has never regretted it. When, when I talk about these stories, I often ask people in the week just to make sure that they wouldn't now be like, that was a terrible mistake. But he, he still says uh, is one of the best investments he's ever made. He has never regretted giving that money away. Because the guy did go and train to be a youth worker. He did go and work with disadvantaged young people. And God has done so much through his work. And so the, the friend who gave was like, this is awesome. 
I've planted this money and look, look at what's going on. All the young people who are being served because of that. God rewards us abundantly for generosity. Uh, there was a student here a few years ago. Um, it, Commitment Sunday came round as it is coming round next week. And he hadn't really thought about it that much because uh, Cambridge life. Um, and, but he was sat in the service and he was like, actually, I do want to give something. And so he got his card out and he wrote something down. And he was like, yeah, cool. And then he, he walked to the front to put it in like the communal Commitment Sunday card bucket. And as he did that, as he put it in, he said, I was filled with God's joy. And he said it was something actually, it was a turning point for him in his relationship with God. Things changed from that moment. Again, I emailed him this week and he replied and said, yeah, that, that's true. That was a turning point in my, in my relationship with God. I felt full of God's joy. God rewards us abundantly for being generous. It's not, it's not abundantly clear uh, in this passage um, what that reward will look like. Paul doesn't really spell it out. He talks about reaping generously. He talks about a harvest of righteousness. He talks in verse 12 about um, as you perform this service, it will overflow in many expressions of thanks to God, which I think goes to show you don't need a guitar to lead worship. You can lead worship with your wallet. Uh, he talks about different kinds, and it's not completely clear, but there's all kinds of ways. There's all kinds of things. The point is that God uses what we give away, and he multiplies it to do his work. We get to partner with him. God rewards us abundantly for being generous. So to conclude, God sees abundant life in his church. He sees abundant life in you, if you call yourself a Christian, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? I wonder if there aren't some of us here who are actually still on the journey of exploring Christian faith, not really sure what we think about it, um, and here because someone's invited us along or something. If that's you, that is awesome. Uh, welcome, and it's great that you're here. And I would say to you, I think this is something of an invitation, that Jesus would give you this abundant life. He would say to you, I am a generous giver, and I've given you myself. I've given you my life so that you can have this life. Would you come and follow me and be part of this mission together? And I wonder whether there aren't some others of us for whom this is a moment when actually the rubber is to hit the road. We might have thought about generosity before, but this is a time to take, take time this week, maybe even today, and sit down and say, okay, God, how would you like me to give? Where can I be generous? How am I going to follow through with this invitation to be generous? It says in verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. This isn't about pressure. This isn't about anyone telling you what you should give. This is saying, take that time to decide in your heart with God what you will give and then give it cheerfully. Give it hilariously. That, that word could be translated because God supplies us abundantly to be generous. We have nothing to fear. And God rewards us abundantly for generosity. We have lots we can expect. Maybe this Lent, you could give up some kind of spending and you could save up the money and you could use it to be generous somewhere else in your life. That's an idea. Why don't I pray uh, to close? Father, thank you so much that you give us this abundant life.
Thank you that you supply us to be generous. And thank you that you've shown it, that you've given your son, that you've shown us what it means to be generous. And Father, we would ask that we could be in your image. We could be people who are generous like you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.